Welcome to Hey, Let Me Ask You Something, the podcast for common questions and uncommon answers. The views expressed on the Hey, Let Me Ask You Something podcast are solely the opinions of your hosts, Kristen Wood and Ralph Andracchio, and are based on their years of practical and clinical experience. These opinions do not constitute any kind of advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any mental, physical, or emotional issues. If you are having an emergency or any serious ongoing situations, please contact your local hospital or trusted professional. You can find our complete disclaimer on our podcast homepage. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Hey, Let Me Ask You Something, the only podcast that has a real honest-to-goodness therapist slash uh, social worker and a real honest-to-goodness life coach slash improv comedian answering all of your burning questions. I'm Ralph. I am Kristen. And we're going to be your hosts through this next podcast filled with Uncommon questions, or common questions and uncommon answers. Yes, burning questions. Burning, burning common questions <laughs> and not so burning uncommon answers. Uh, so since it's only our second episode, let's introduce ourselves again. So quickly for the audience, who are you? I'm Kristen Wood. I am a psychotherapist. I have my own private practice here in Center City, Philadelphia. And I am Ralph Andracchio, and I have my own coaching business, and I am also based in Philadelphia, and I am also an improv comedian, teacher, uh, producer, director, and I've been doing that for over 12 years now. It's very robust. I know, right? I'm I'm padding out. (laughs) What does your resume look like? It's like 10 feet long, (laughs) but it's a lot of filler words. It's a lot of ands and ums, so we don't don't talk about it. Um, So... This is episode number two. This is our sophomore attempt at making people's lives a little bit better by answering questions that everybody may have. And today's question is just in time for summer. Yes. And it's all about body image and um, bathing suit body or like beach body. Because I know I personally have that as well of like oh, what do I look like without a shirt on? And I feel like I'm like 12 years old again and I'm wearing a t-shirt in the pool. So I, it's, a, it's an interesting question, especially for this time of year. So I thought you and I could both dig into that because there's a lot of tendrils to it. It's not just one thing. People think it's like a very simple like, oh, it's just body image. Like get over yourself. It's fine. But it's not just that, right? No, absolutely not. I think it's, I think there's, we were talking about this prior to starting today, as we do before every episode, and I think that there is definitely, I don't know, a little bit of discomfort, a little hesitation, maybe a little uncomfortability around putting your bathing suit on for the first time of the season. I mean, especially after COVID, when we've been stuck inside for so long, even last summer, that, yeah, there's that discomfort and hesitation that I think most most go through. But I think when it becomes more than that, and there becomes you become very hyper-focused and or obsessed around your weight and the way you're looking in a bathing suit and even just in summer clothes and less clothing, then that could point to a bigger issue. Right. And I know all through COVID, I have ended up looking more like my couch than I usually do. (laughs) So I'm right there with everybody. But yeah, it's part of it, I think, is, is being so isolated for so long you get in your own head almost of like, 
oh my gosh, I, I've been alone for so long. I don't know what I look like. I don't know what anybody else is going to think about me. And then you kind of like spiral. So absolutely. I mean, and people were inside and a lot of people just said, who cares? I'm going to eat that bag of Oreos mm-hmm. or whatever. There was nothing to, we weren't going out. We weren't seeing people. So it, uh, for a lot of people, self-care might have not been great. But in addition to what you're saying, um, it, I think that a lot of times people are, are feeling very anxious about going out and being around a lot of other people right now. Now you're saying put a bathing suit on and let's go to the beach or go to the pool. So it's a whole other level. And that whole idea of COVID, and not that this is about COVID, but we often, COVID's our life the past year plus. Mm-hmm. Um, is that now, you know, we're going back out and and people are feeling very anxious about interacting with others again on a more regular basis. Yeah. And there's, I I feel like there's a little bit, there's a little twinge of, I need to look my best. I need to impress people. I'm like coming out. Everybody's coming out for the first time. (laughs) It's like prom all over again. So I feel like there's a little bit of that, too. And I don't think it's just your physical body, though. I feel like there's a bunch of other stuff that goes into it. Of Like, like where is your... And I'm, I'm getting deep right away. It's only five oh. minutes in, and I'm already... I feel like there's a lot of, like, how do you gauge your self-worth yes. in that? Right. I think that that's what it's all about. And I think when we're getting... When we're spending a lot... A lot of times, people will focus on their physical appearance and weight unconsciously or subconsciously when the core issues are not about anything physical at all it's just easier and we can control what we put in our mouth and and how much we exercise and so we will people will sometimes tend to focus on that to mask what's really going on underneath it the insecurities and the self-esteem issues that really are the core of what it's just manifesting through body image and appearance and weight and exercise. Mm-hmm. Say more about what manifests through weight and exercise and that kind of stuff. What specific things do people, are they avoiding those things or are they well, focusing on them too much? No, I, that, that's, that's person to person subjective too much. Um, that, that opens up a lot of things. I could, I could go in a lot of directions with that. <laughs> but I think that when I say that sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes people will focus on their physical appearance and their diet and exercise. Sometimes that can be in an attempt to control things, right? So if we're talking about, let's say, deep-seated self-esteem issues where you feel worthless, you don't feel good enough, you don't feel liked, you don't feel smart, it's a heck of a lot easier to focus in on that bulge on your stomach or the uh, getting back to running or yoga um, and wanting to improve the way you physically look than it is to really look at those other really vulnerable, really deep-seated issues. You have a sense of control when it com- comes to your diet and exercise and it, if it even gets as extreme as going and doing some type of surgery on yourself, you have control over that that feels easier for people than really digging down deep underneath it. I feel like from my point of view, what the clients that I work with, it manifests, what we're talking about kind of manifests in their time management skills. How so? 
So some of the facets of what people have going on that they come to me to work on um, manifest as I just want to have a better grasp of my time. You know, I feel like I work too much and I don't have time for myself or I don't have time to eat or I get out of sleep or whatever. And I think that plays into this as well because just sleep, like just taking that part of it, having really good sleep hygiene and like having, getting enough sleep, whatever that is for you, it's different for everybody, but usually it's around seven or eight hours, I think. And I've heard this from clients who have finally made it a point to get a good night's sleep and the next time I talk to them, they're like, I'm a completely different person. I feel better. I, I feel better about myself. I have more energy. I have more attention span to do stuff. I like, you know, it's all because they got a good night's sleep. And it, we don't think of it like, oh, I'll just go to bed later. I'll catch up on it. Sleep doesn't go into some sleep bank somewhere that we can't see. <laughs> like, you can just, like, make a withdrawal. It doesn't work like that. Like, if you miss sleep, it's gone. So you yeah. have to, like, get back into the rhythm of it. But time management, I think, is a big part of it, too. Because once you get that under control, like I said, like, just getting a good night's sleep, your self-awareness changes. And you, you feel better, more confident, more more level-headed, more focused, all that good stuff. So it's like the things that you were worried about may actually recede into the background because now you have more energy and more focus and the more important things that you want to prioritize are now more attractive than, oh my God, my gut. Well, right. And I think that gets into, I mean, you're, you're using the words time management. I would use self-care. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I'm not going off in the mm-hmm. wrong direction here, but I really think that yeah, sleep. Everyone's like, oh, wow, well, whatever. Sleep. Yeah, I should sleep more. But it does. It's a significant effect on people's moods and people's views of themselves. And I think if you aren't prioritizing yourself or you don't have that good work, um, personal life balance, then that can cause you to feel really crappy about yourself and really insecure about yourself. So it's like even things that are going on at work and at home can manifest themselves in the beach bod obsession or thought process. Like it can translate all the way back, but it's really coming from that source of I'm not really taking care of myself physically and or emotionally and putting care of myself first. And care of myself first can be sleep, it can be eating, it can be um, taking breaks at work so that you're more, you're functioning better, things of that nature. I think, I don't want to go on a tangent, but I might for a second. <laughs> Feel free. I, don't, I want to go this direction, but I'm not sure if I'm, it's the right time or not yet, but I'll just try to go there and we'll see what happens. I think that this idea of self-care, I talk a lot about, Ralph's done stuff with me already on this. Sometimes people are self-punishing and they're not really self-caring. Meaning yeah, that meaning that people will will do things like they won't improve their time management at work and they won't start taking breaks, but they'll say I'm going to eat a yogurt for for breakfast and I'm not going to eat any lunch and then I'm going to I'll make a silly example. I'm going to run home from work, but just let just bear with me with mm-hmm. them get my point across. That's not self-care. 
that's punishing yourself. That's, that's not caring for yourself. Now, somebody could look at that person and say, oh, they're eating a nice yogurt and they were fasting because that's the new thing, intermittent fasting at lunch. And then they said they go home and eat a sensible dinner. That could be for, for one person, but not for another. It's all about the intent of why you're doing it and, and how you're doing it. And somebody that's restricting themselves in a way to gain control of their weight but still isn't putting themselves first or really caring for themselves, providing themselves with the nutrients that they need when they have that third meal, getting the sleep that they need. Then we teeter between taking care of ourselves and actually the opposite, hurting ourselves. I don't know if I'm being clear. You are, and okay. you just blew my mind. Oh, I did? Yes. Oh. I that- don't know if anybody heard that pop, but it was my brain. <laughs> Exploding because the self-care versus self-punishment, I never thought of it that way. But. And it's all about what's going on for that person. Yeah. You could look at, at, at so-and-so that's going running for six miles every day and is super fit looking. But if their mentality is they are so afraid of being fat or overweight or gaining one pound and they're competing with the neighbor down the street and they're obsessed with what they put in their body and don't put in their body, that's not self-care. Somebody else could be doing the exact same running, but be fueling their body, caring for themselves, and getting a good night's sleep, and that is self-care. Yeah. It's about where you are with yourself, whether or not we're going to consider this self-care or actually the total opposite. Yeah. When I I lived in L.A. for a few years, I had... I was so self-conscious because I looked nothing like most of the people out there because they're all like, they spend their day at the gym and they just look like perfect in their clothes and their hats and their shoes their and like even their, even their feet have abs. And, like, <laughs> and, and I don't know if I, somebody said this, I think somebody told me and it's who said it lost to time. So I apologize. If you're listening to this and you realize that you told me this, please email me. But somebody said, it's their job to look like that your job is to do what you're doing like computer production assistant stuff like running around some people it's their job to look like they go to the gym all day because they do and it's like that kind of made me feel better because to me it spoke to priorities Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not assigning any kind of moral anything like good or bad. It's just like this person's priority is I'm in a business where I have to look good. So yes, I'm going to spend a lot of time at the gym because I have to look a certain way to make money. And for me, my priority is I need to have a car and like a computer and a phone because I need to run around and coordinate stuff all day. So it's like thinking of it that way, I think there's a little comfort in that because why are you prioritizing your physical appearance? You know, what are you getting out of it? What's the end goal mm-hmm. to it? Because that's what I would ask my clients is not, not necessarily why, but, you know, tell me more about what's, what's important to you about prioritizing how you physically look. You know, what are you getting out of it? Right. I mean, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to look, wanting to improve your, your weight, your health, mm-hmm. your appearance, and feeling good about that. That's definitely not what I'm, either one of us are trying to say here. If Absolutely you want to go not, on yeah. a diet and you want to improve your eating and and intermittent fasting even whatever it's not about that it's about is that to be healthier and take better care of yourself or is that about 
punishing yourself or masking other insecurities or self-esteem issues that you might not even be aware of, to be honest, Mm -hmm. that you aren't willing or able or don't know how to address. Right. And health health aside, because honestly, I I have nothing to back this up but my uh, anecdotal evidence. You know, just looking at somebody, you can't really tell how quote-unquote healthy they are. Like, somebody could have a perfect body and still be going, have the health issues and be, you know, smoke and drink and eat what they shouldn't and on the inside feel miserable. And somebody who may not look like that could be the picture of health. On the, like, you just can't, you don't know just by looking at somebody. So at least for me, if, if that's your focus is on the outer layer of your body, there's other ways to convey to people how quote unquote healthy you are. And like what, like you were saying, what is healthy? To, it's, it's different for each individual, mm-hmm. but it's what you prioritize. And, and that for me, it also brings up the idea of, you know, the society we live in, we can't ignore the elephant in the room of, we've all grown up in a world where skinny and in shape and, you know, perfect body, muscles, whatever is the goal. Right. And if you don't, if you fall short of that or you don't look like that, there's something wrong with you and you need to spend money to go to the gym and buy the creams and buy the diet stuff and do the thing. So you look like everybody else. And I'm like, everybody just stop. It's tiring. Yeah. And the people, I think it's gotten so much better, but there's still a long ways to go is that, you know, we compare ourselves to the people we see in magazines and on television and on wherever else. And like you were saying earlier, it's their job. They have a bazillion people helping them look that way. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you know, they have cooks, they have trainers, they have makeup artists, they have, uh, um, what's the good people address them? Designers. They have all that that make them stylists. Stylists. That's the word. Yes. So they have all of those things that at their fingertips, plus it's their job for a lot of them to look that way. And then we compare ourselves to that. We try to be that. And the, the average American does not have those types of resources right. or the time. I think that that's been part of the problem for a while. But then we have this, you know, expectation that we should be able to look like that or we should be able to. And also comparing yourself as you get older. It's like looking at people that are 20 years younger than you and expecting that you're going to look halfway like that. Really worked like that, mm-hmm. unless you're J Lo and you've got whatever scenario she she's got going. Is a national treasure because <laughs> she she's in her fifties and she looks like she's twenty nine. Yeah, <laughs> I want what she's having. Yeah, what is she eating for breakfast? Because I would cook that <laughs> right up. now. Right ben Affleck. Now. Right now. <laughs> Yesterday, A Rod. Oh. oh. <laughs> Hopefully this episode <laughs> ages well. I think I I think of it uh, also in terms of the communities that we are living in. Like I I live in the LGBT community where there's this weird hierarchy of of body size and shapes and like you know there's the the muscle heads and the twinks and then there's the there's the otters and the foxes and the bears and the pol- there's polar bear. Like, there's, there's a whole ecosystem of gays out there. <laughs> um, and, and 
it, you talked about aging and I've, I've thought about this sometimes of like, I'm starting to age out of that younger guy I was. And I'm like, okay, where do I fit in now? You know? Where do you fit in the ecosystem? Where do I fit Which in the ecosystem? Which animal are am you? I, right. You know, am I an eagle? I don't even know what right, that is. Right. Am I a weasel? <laughs> uh, but, and then those body types get fetishized in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think this is true just not in the LGBT community, but everywhere, you know, there are people who fetishize plus models. There's people who fetishize really skinny models. You know, there's there's something for everybody. But I think for me, I'm coming to realize I have to get right with myself. You know, I, I can't... I just don't have the energy anymore to to try to fit into something or like live up to somebody else's expectations. Cause I got too much crap going on already, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what people say that, you know, they'll talk about somebody exuding confidence and it, and it will kind of literally have nothing to do with their, maybe they're overweight a little, maybe they're whatever a little, but they, they don't look like the, uh, whatever stereotypical, perfect, whatever it is in your head. Mm-hmm. But they exude confidence. That's kind of what we're sort of, I'm circling back here. Yeah, please. That's really what we're talking about. We're talking about beach bodies or body image and how it relates to self-esteem is those individuals are often extremely attractive if we're going to go to physical attraction for a second to other people. And it has nothing to do with their 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 weight, their if they're female, their chest, whatever. It's about that. I always call confidence a quiet. A, it's like a quiet, sound presence that's just there. It doesn't need to yell and scream. Look at me. Look at me. It just is, and it's felt. But it's quiet and it's sound. Sound is always the word that comes to mind for me. And I think I know this sounds like a tangent, but I, I don't think it is. I think it's all very related because I, th- I do think that when it comes to relationships, when it comes to work performance, if you are feeling that confidence in those areas, you exude that confidence the way you carry yourself, mm-hmm. the way you rock, you put that bathing suit on and head to the pool with your imperfect body as far as you're concerned. It's, it's when you have all of that, which is the internal stuff that I'm talking about. I think that people sense that and people feel that. And it speaks so much more than having the perfect little figure, stereotypically speaking, and parading around the pool or whatever. And everybody being like, look at them. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, some of the most attractive people that I've ever known in my life wouldn't fit into any of those categories of like perfect anything because mm-hmm. also perfect doesn't exist everybody no please stop. i'm just throwing that around yeah please no, no no i'm not saying anything that about you i'm just saying like i think that's another thing that we all strive for this perfection but perfection doesn't exist it's just it's just the best you can do at this moment with what you got you know it's it's there's this great quote by steinbeck um now that you don't have to be perfect you can be good and it always gets me. Like, I always get choked up because it's like, yes, there's so much pressure to be perfect. Like, quote, unquote, I'm using scare quotes again. You can't see my hands. Perfect that we shove ourselves into this really confining little space of what we think we're supposed to be when there's this whole other huge playground out there for us to run around in. If And I know I'm speaking 
you know, the, everybody's, everybody's uh, situation is different, you know. So I'm just speaking from my point of view, but I found that the, the, the more you have other things in your life that really mean something to you and are a priority, like your family, your friends, your career, your house, or whatever it is that you're, you're doing, it's like when you have that something you can come back to as like, this is my anchor, this is my thing that I prioritize, this is what I... I feel like that, that kind of helps stave off that, that feeling of like, oh, I have to be something I'm not. Because you have this other thing that you're like, no, I'm, I'm working on this thing. You know, does that, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm just sitting over here thinking about, you know, a lot of the clients that I work with have a lot of self-esteem struggles. That's one of the things I specialize in. And there's just this ongoing theme of not feeling good enough and needing to be perfect with a, a big portion of who I, I work with. And I'm sure some of you listening out there can relate because this is something that I, a lot of people outside of work I know struggle with. What's interesting is that there's this, they equate be, if I'm not perfect, make no mistake, you know, I don't make a mistake, everybody likes me, then I'm good enough. But if I make one mistake or somebody doesn't like me, I am now nothing. It's like one thing happens and I am nothing. And I think there's a lot of people operating at work, operating at home, operating with their physical appearance that are trying to keep everything perfect. Because underneath that, if somebody, one person, it could be the guy on the corner that says something or shows you that they don't think you're that, then you all of a sudden think that's who, that, that's true. That's valid. Mm-hmm. And this is why some of the stuff around physical appearance and stuff becomes so important to people, becomes like a part of that perfection. And it's, it's so crazy when you really break it down because you're, the, the people that love you would, A, never say that. And you would believe the people that love you. But at the same time, Joe Schmo down the street could say something or show some dislike of something about you, and then it defines who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I often talk to clients about the having a finite amount of power during the course of a day. Like there's only so much charge in your battery. There's only so many hours in a day. There's only so much, I hate to use this cause it's so corporate, but there's, there's only so much bandwidth you have in it, you know, I like the word bandwidth. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll revisit this. Um, it's a, a whole other episode. For me, I see that as, like, I'm willingly giving over a chunk of my power or, like, a, a certain amount of charge in my battery to this person who has an opinion of me that I didn't ask for, I don't want. Part of the work that I think all of us in some degree work on of, like, somebody said something mean about me, how do I react to it? You know, it's always going to sting no matter what. And I don't believe anybody that says, oh, no, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. But yes, it does. We're human beings. <laughs> please get, please realize that. Like, no matter how confident somebody is, if somebody says something mean about you, there it, is a twinge. It sucks. It sucks. But it's it's how you, it's your resiliency. It's how you recover from it. It's, it's how, what tools you have at your disposal that help you bounce back quicker from... Exactly. You know, and for me, I, I focus on a lot of positive psychology and like finding the opportunities and the positives instead of focusing on the negatives. And there's a positivity, there's actually a positivity ratio of um, 
negative emotions versus positive emotions, and it's a three-to-one ratio. So if you have a a negative experience in your life, it takes three positive experiences to kind of balance it out and get your reserves back to where they were before. So that's why it's important to make it a priority to have positivity in your life and have what we've been talking about today, like have those goals, have those priorities that you're working towards, like have something other than oh, I need to look good for everybody else. Because once you have all those other things and you start creating those opportunities and those positive moments, they start to outweigh all the negative ones and, you, and then your pendulum starts to swing towards this, this broader space of opportunity and love and you know, self-respect and self-care and all that stuff. I think the thing that I thought of when you said that is I, I understand and agree with that and I know that that's what you're... It's, it's in books, so don't, Kristen, <laughs> don't argue with it. Like, clearly, someone's done research and groups and studies. But what I was thinking about was that I've spoken to my clients a lot about is 100% yes. However, we often, if our self-esteem is insecure or low, we look to other people to, for those positives. Mm-hmm. We need to hear it from other people to get out of those spaces of feeling not good enough and not perfect and worthless. And yeah, we all love to hear a compliment and we all need support. Everybody needs that. And, but at the same time, if we rely on that and we need to get that from other people, it's a temporary fill. It's literally a temporary fill. I'm trying to think of a good analogy and it's just not coming to me. Where it will just, it's like you fill it up, but it eventually just will leak out a little over time. It's not permanent. Um, it's a temporary fix, like a Band-Aid is probably the best way to put it. Because it's being able to feel those positives, experience those positives, recognize those, recognize those positives within yourself without other people. Yeah. It could be through experiences, of course. Absolutely. But it, but it doesn't need to be about what somebody else said. Or somebody else did for you or to you. It ha- It's about where you coming. Like this is a good example. I had somebody recently tell me something had happened with them that was very positive, and they were feeling all these positive emotions. And then after the fact, got some positive feedback from others. But the the the, the uh, progress, the thing that really jumped out at us in session was that person felt that prior to getting the validation from other people. Yeah. It's a it's a balance of inner in coming from inside and coming from outside. Because I, I actually had the opposite happen to me personally this week because I had a big presentation I had to do uh, for a corporate client, and I heard from everybody involved nothing but positives. You know, oh, this, we're looking forward to this. This is great. You're gonna be awesome. And in my head, I was like, I'm gonna screw this up. This is going to be like Hindenburg level disaster. Um, for younger people who don't know what the Hindenburg is, please Google it. Um, <laughs> I'm dating myself. Uh, it's like the Mesopotamian disaster at 400 BC. I'm not that old. Um, but it's the opposite. Like, so it can happen either way. You know, you could be getting all this positive uh, feedback from the outside and still inside have that that inner critic that's like. Yeah, you're going to screw this up. And then everything went fine. And I was like, well, of course it went fine because I'm awesome. But it's you still have those moments of self-doubt. And, yeah. And it's, you know, I have work to do, too, on 
you know, f- building that resiliency, building my reserves of, I think this is a good place to talk about like actual tools people can use for like self-esteem, self-care, that building that resiliency. And for me, I, I do a lot of grounding work. Mm-hmm. So like I focus, I do breath work and focus on my breath. I do body scans of like, you know, where am I holding my tension and like, and it's not just the, it's not just noticing it. It's like digging and, and almost like asking like, oh, my shoulders are really tight. Why are you so tight today? What's mm-hmm. going on? It's like, mm-hmm. and you have a little dialogue with yourself and just, and I, I'm a big, I'm a big preacher of this and I recommend this to everybody. If you just take 60 seconds, like one minute out of your day and close your eyes wherever you're at and just focus on like noticing your breath cycle it does wonders to ground you and center you and take some tension and stress out of you, even a little bit. It's all about building the habit. So it's not just like one time in your life and you're done like 60 seconds, I feel great, awesome. (laughs) It's like building it into your schedule and that's where the healthy habits come from of, you know, yeah, I'm really stressed out all the time and I talk to myself so terribly. My self-talk is awful. Like that's something you can do. Pick something like breath work or body scan or like meditation where you can take, it doesn't have to be a whole half hour. Like take a couple minutes out of your day and just relax where you're at and build it, make it a habit. Like I'm going to do this at three o'clock every day. I'm going to make it a point to sit at my desk for two minutes and just close my eyes and breathe. And that's it, you know? And then as you do it more, you want to do more of it and say, oh, this feels great. I want to do more of this. Let me see what else is out there. So do you have anything like that that you recommend for your... I do exactly what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Ralph, I don't think you need therapy ever. <laughs> like, that was... No, Tell that to my therapist. <laughs> seriously, that's, that is one of the exact things that I talk to people about doing and, and making it like, yes, it's, it's... When you really want to start to pay a lot of attention to the things that you just mentioned and checking in doing a check on yourself it's a lot of work let's not lie it's a lot of work and it often does take for people that are really struggling especially more than one time a day but it doesn't take hours it's not like you have to do a 20 minute even yoga session or meditation it's just taking checking in and maybe you notice a little tension you get up from your workspace you take a walk outside and you just kind of hang out for a few minutes it's it's if the more we can do those check-ins, the less likely we, we are to have the buildup where we can't sleep at night. Was and we wake or we wake up at night and we're thinking about fifty thousand things. That's because we didn't take care of ourselves during. Not always. I don't want to say that, but like sometimes it's because we didn't take care of ourselves during the day. And I'm all about baby steps. And so taking these little steps to check in is sort of that the practices that I often suggest for people. Um, I off, I also have something new that I've been doing from a colleague of mine, not doing, but recommending and doing with my clients and it's recordings. Yeah. Recording yourself. Yes. So this is more of, it can really be used for anything. It can be used to calm you down when you're anxious. It can be used for you're feeling depressed to boost you up. It can be, um, to, how to talk kindly to yourself when the critic starts up and you're being negative. I had a, a client do it beautifully recently, but in it, when you're in a good space, talking to yourself, how you think you need to be talked to when you're in those spaces and recording it and playing it 
Oh, so you can like validate yourself. So you can talk yourself out of it when you're in the space where that's not going to really work because you're in the space. It's It's like leaving a note for yourself. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And people, a lot of the clients I work with, self-talk has been really, sounds simple, but it's been helpful for them once they understand what's going on and why they do the things they do. A lot of times talking to themselves when they say, oh, this is what's happening. It's been helpful. So this whole uh, practice of trying to make a recording and then when you're if you get into a space and you're in a little deep and those things aren't working as easily and and when and I always say to people I'm like and talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend if that's a good starting point if you can't get to like if if, if it's that's where you need to start that's where you need to start mm-hmm. and what would you say to them and it's it's been really effective and it's this is not new as i said a colleague friend of mine who uses this with her clients and it probably has a term then i don't know the name of that others listening may but you know what make it your own it's fine yeah um i think it's really great as a and it's a way to not only talk to yourself and, and get yourself hopefully to a better more positive space but it's also a way to nurture yourself and care for yourself and we're so prone to criticize and punish and I think it's a way to care for mm-hmm. ourselves, which is quite a switch, especially with people that are very critical and, um, and, and, and don't feel good enough. Yeah. I do a whole presentation on self-talk and a lot of it, it's, there's a, I split it into three parts. It's um, notice, challenge, change. So the first part is just, just noticing. Not what the you're fun doing. part. No, it's not the fun part. <laughs> It's the hard part because that's why it's first because it's the hard part. But it's it's you can't do anything else until you get comfortable noticing. Wow, I'm talking to myself like and a butthole. Like, <laughs> and I usually ask people who who I'm talking to about self negative self talk. I say, would you talk to your grandmother the way you talk to yourself? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh my god, of course not. That would be terrible. I'm like, well, why the heck are you talking to yourself that way? Why is it okay? Why is it okay to talk to yourself? Like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I just screwed that. You wouldn't tell that to your grandmother. God, grandma, you're such an idiot. You screw this up all the time. What's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> sounds terrible, right? But we do it to ourselves all the time. And it just noticing, wow, I really, I do that. Then you can challenge it and say, okay, how, uh, why am I selling that to myself? Why am I being so mean to myself right now? What am I getting out of this, mm-hmm. right? And then you can change it. Like, what can I say instead? You know, instead of saying, wow, I screwed, I really screwed that report up or like I really screwed this presentation up, say, okay, I, what can I do to do better next time? What tools do I need to do better next time? What, what can, you know, who can I ask for help? It's, it's seeing the opportunity in everything and that goes back to positive psychology. It's, it's not just like, Positive psychology is not just like sunshine and farts and like everything's like, <laughs> oh, just be happy and smile and everything's fine. It's not about that. It's about noticing the opportunities and not focusing on the negative. It's saying, you know, okay, yes, I'm having a negative experience. This is this is going bad right now. Not a, not not ideal. What can I learn from this? What what can I do to change this moving forward? What tools do I need? Who can I talk to to, to make it dif- the outcome different next time? That's really what it's about. Not to go in another direction, but that comes to forgiveness of self. Yep. People that have low self-esteem have a very hard time forgiving themselves for what others would see as very minor. A, a, a mistake at work 
in a new job, maybe, or even just a mistake at work. Um, that wasn't even a cat- cat- catastrophic mistake, just a mistake. And such a hard time when your self-esteem is insecure and low, then that t- translates into I'm not good at my job, I'm dumb, I'm this, I'm that, instead of I made a mistake. I'm still smart. I'm still good at my job. There's a mistake here. And like you said, I can learn from that. But it it defines people in those spaces. It all of a sudden throws them off their, their chair to what they fear. And now I'm dumb and I'm not good at my job. And, and, and then, but yet again, going back to the, what would you say to your friend or your grandma? If a friend came and said this to you or you would be like, oh, it's okay. Like, next time you'll definitely know now because you made that mistake and now you know now you learn something but my god when it comes to us it's like wow we 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 should go to jail and be tried and probably be on death row right like it's and and i'm talking about for small things don't don't get started on like very big mistakes oh yeah oh yeah yeah Pulling everything full circle to, um, you know, body, body image. I would say if anybody asks, you know, oh, I, I need to, do I have a beach body? Am I, you know, I'm getting my bathing suit body ready. You already have your bathing suit body. It's the body you're in right now. (laughs) You're done. That's the one that's going in the bathing suit. Congratulations, you're done. (laughs) You know, and it's, and I know it sounds flippant to say, but it's the truth. You know, it's just. If, if we can all get over judging each other and judging ourselves more than anything and the, finding that little bit of comfort in our own skin, it, it goes so far. Especially like I was talking about, you know, filling your resiliency reserves. It just, it puts so much gas in the tank if you can find a little iota of, of self-care and love and appreciation for yourself. Because it, it, it becomes a magnet and it attracts other positive things to it. Because it wants to build and it wants to grow. We just have to let it. And I think one little more little practice to, to throw in there at the end here mm-hmm. is, uh, I guess a simple, simple one, is that, you know, we spend so much time, and I, I'm, I'm speaking a lot for people that struggle with self-esteem and self-confidence, of f- focusing on what we're not doing well, um, worrying about what failing that a lot of what I do which is like I said a simple practice is why don't you focus on what you did well that day why don't you write down jot down a couple things you did well that day um simple practice of that of training yourself to pay attention to what you do well you can still look at the areas that need growth but we know you're probably doing that already (laughs) I'm worried about that right awesome so if Anybody would like to connect with you further and maybe work with you, how can people find you and get in touch with you? They can find me. Um, my website, if you want to look a little bit more about me, is um, thephillytherapistkristen.com. My email, imagine this, is <laughs> thephillytherapistkristen at gmail.com, which you can feel free to reach out and ask me anything you'd like. Um, I do offer free phone consultations. I also have a Psychology Today profile at psychology.com that gives you even more information about kind of my specialty areas. But I'm, I'm very, I'm no, you know, I have no problem with people reaching out with any questions. You just want to kind of know what's up, what I offer in a little more detail. Give me a call. 
my um, all my phone numbers on all of these in all of these spaces. Okay, it sounds like you're really hard to find. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm everywhere. I'm gonna. I'm going to recommend you uh, you fix that. <laughs> Spread yourself out a little more. Um, and if anybody is interested in getting in touch with me and finding out what life a life coach does and if coaching can help you, you can find me at my website trueenginecoaching.com. Uh, and you can email me at ralph at trueenginecoaching.com. You can also find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can search for True Engine Coaching, or you can search for Coach Ralph. I also offer, um, it's not a competition, but I also offer free virtual coffees or like a free focus session if anybody wants to get a feel for what coaching does and how I can help you. And the most important thing, Ralph, yes. is please, please, please send your burning questions to hey let me ask you something at gmail.com we are waiting impatiently at this point yes for anything it's you want to ask right now. nothing is a <laughs> no questions a wrong question nothing's a dumb question and it really is a forum for you also if you're feeling nervous or uncomfortable speaking to someone in person this is a great way for you to get your question out there for us to chat about it and give you some info in an anonymous way excellent All right, everybody. That's the second one in the can. Thank you for signing off. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Thanks.